I wanted to get in the studios. I wanted to be the musician rather than, you know, playing six nights a week in a club, which I had been doing for eight years. Country music legend Glenn Campbell. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. He was a kid from a small Arkansas town who grew up to become a country and western superstar. Born in 1936, Glenn Campbell took up a guitar at a young age, and by the time he was in his 20s, he was an in-demand studio musician in L.A., playing alongside some of the biggest names of the day. He broke out as a solo performer in the mid-1960s and had his first big hit, Gentle on My Mind, in 1967. And that keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory. It keeps you ever gentle on my mind Then came more chart toppers By the time I get to Phoenix You'll find the note I left hanging On her door Dreams of the Everyday Housewife Wichita Lineman I am a lineman for the county Galveston, Rhinestone Cowboy And Southern Nights And he had his own very popular TV variety show. But in his personal life, there was also serious substance abuse. In 1994, Glenn Campbell wrote his memoir, a book he called Rhinestone Cowboy. And that's when I met him. So here now from 1994, Glenn Campbell. When did you get your first guitar? Oh, I must have been five years old in that neighborhood. I'd say somewhere between five and seven I'm trying to picture you. Is, is that the one you ran to the mailbox to get? Oh, yeah. Go look at that. My guitar in yet? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, they, didn't, they didn't have a limit on sizes then. <laughs> <laughs> Our mail came with wagon and team. No, it was a pickup truck, actually. But it's, it almost the way you described it, it almost sounds like it was like you were made for each other, you and this instrument. Yeah, really. I, like, I can sit down and play, and I, I can just put my hands on it. And it'll it'll make some kind of chord, seems like, you know. And I, I don't really... Or it, it's, a, it's a marvelous instrument. I think, uh, like, people who play piano, if they want to get something, they've got to go find a piano. But, like, I take my guitar with me most of the time, and I just... Uh, I, I play it. I play it in the room. I, and I miss it when I'm away from it for an extended period of time. Now, when, at what point along the way do you... Can you remember the time when you decided, hey, I'm good enough at this... People will pay me to play my guitar. Yeah, well, that was at a, well, it was like for free and applause at first, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and for an ice cream cone and Bugs' ice cream parlor there in Delight. But, uh, yeah, I, I figured, when I figured I was good enough to go to California and try to get in the studio works, you know, like Horace Greeley said, uh, go west, young man, and 400 people in Seattle drowned. <laughs> That's a Roger Miller. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I went west, and I wanted to try it because I wanted to, to, to get in the studios. I wanted to be the musician rather than, you know, playing six nights a week in a club, which I had been doing for eight years. Six nights? Oh, gee. Oh, yeah. Nine Paying to your two. dues. Nine to two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and playing to hecklers and, and, you know, inebriated people. Thank God I quit drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but you played in the studio with some of the biggest names then and now in show business. Yeah. It was the memorable 
thing. I think Nat King Cole probably stands out as much as any of them. Elvis, you know, for Sinatra. Uh, Beach Boys, just great. Jan- all the old Janadine stuff. All the old wall of sounds. Up in- you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. And I don't mean Hall and Oates either. <laughs> they cleaned up that name a little bit, I think. Well, you uh, you do imitations, don't you? Isn't that what you when you were uh, first uh, peddling songs, uh, you could that's how you do it because you, right. you could imitate others. Do a demo session. <laughs> Elvis, Elvis was teasing me. He said somebody sent me a record you did. and You was trying to sound like me. I said I wasn't trying to sound like Elvis. I said I was sounding like you. You just don't hear it that way. <laughs> Well, you, he you, was a marvelous human being. You did you did the Elvis like voice in what was it uh, Rocket Doodle? Yeah, or the Rocket Doodle film. <laughs> yeah, you know. Cockadoo, what a deal! That's great. You can do it and have them animate it. You know, <laughs> I'd break a leg if I tried to do that. <laughs> you just got break after break. Once you started getting the breaks, the more more success you had, the more success you had. It seems that really is. That sounds like a Yogi Bear line. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it really does seem that way. And it's, uh, here it is, you know, 26 years since uh, Gentle on My Mind, uh, Phoenix. They came, well, they actually came out in 67. But it's a good time hour. And it's, uh, I'm, it's, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life because I'm, my conscience is clear. Boy, I tell you, Bill, there's nothing, there's no pillow as soft as a clear conscience. You know, if people could be happy, if they just, when you go to, before you go to bed at night to go to sleep, if you got any naught against anybody, if you got anger in you, forgive them for it. If anybody owes you $100, forgive them for it. The minute you forgive them, he'll probably pay you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but don't worry about it. Worry kills people. But, you know, and I'm, I'm doing something this year, uh, June the 7th, 94. I'm opening the Glen Campbell Good Time Theater in Branson, Missouri. And it'll be the first time that I have, will, have, will do a production show since the Good Time Hour. I got uh, Renee, Renee Longer, uh, the the same set designer to do the stage for us, and uh, I will be introducing, you know, singing the a la the Good Time Hour type of show, and I don't know how well it's going to click for the first uh, month or so, but from not doing it, and it will be live. Hopefully, some of it we'll, we'll get some cameras and tape some of it. But uh, if, you, if you want a few laughs, just come and see me the first month of the Glen Campbell Good Time Theater because I'll probably be messing up some. It, it is interesting to read in those period of the, the late '60s, the early '70s, when you had when you were on a roll, when everything that you touched turned to gold. Right. But you've got this feeling in the back of your mind: you've got to grab it now while you've got it, because heaven only knows how long you're going to have it. Right. That's got to be an enormous pressure on you. It is. That was ex manager running me. I did, I did that here. Concerts here. I did. Uh, I was doing, I was doing the TV show, trying to cut two albums a year. Uh, same thing in England. Uh, TV shows, tour in England, Australia, New Zealand, Scotland, Ireland. I never, I never did really get into Europe that much. I've done a couple of tours over there. But, uh, yeah, they flat run me to death. It broke up uh, my marriage. Uh, it made me an alcoholic, more or less. I think you phrased it in your book. You said you didn't have a career. Your career had you. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It's like, uh, and I told my manager, I said, hey, you know, uh, I, th- I, th- I think I know enough about this business that I don't think I'm going to be an overnight fluke or an overnight sensation. I said, because the gradual incline that my career took, and it's, and it's, and it's still taking. I mean, uh, 
I'm, I don't have expectations of, of grandeur or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Whatever happens in the day, take it with a grain of salt and go on to the next day. You know, something will happen then if you keep doing it honestly. And uh, my manager, he didn't understand that. He, was, he, wanted me to, he wrote me a show in Vegas. <laughs> cost me $40,000 for the show. And here it was. They had a bunch of, you know, uh, spandex type of stuff up, you know, white. And I'm supposed to burst out through it and sing two songs from Pippin. <laughs> you know, I said, let Pippin sing his own songs, you know. Right after this short break, Glenn Campbell demonstrates how he took a Don Ho song and made it a hit. Now back to my 1994 interview with Glenn Campbell. Do okay. you have... Do you have an ear for a hit and what, for what? Can you listen to a song and say, "Yeah, that would be right for me. I could do a lot with that." Yes, I have. A, I don't. I wouldn't say it's, whether it's a hit or not, but I ha, I do have an ear for a good song uh, and for a good uh, chord progression, good melody, mm. because it's been established and it had been established even before I had a hit record. You know, in the consensus of musicians, I mean, who's going to be the judge of that? You know, well, God is the eventual judge. We'll all have to. Ever, we'll all answer for what we do and uh, in the directions we steer other people in our lives. But uh, from talking to musicians, singers, songwriters, I think Jimmy Webb is the best musical poet born in America ever. He's just awesome. His lyrics are just incredible. And the words ain't bad either. <laughs> but now still, you, it, it, you can listen to a song like Galveston. You can listen to Don Ho doing Galveston. And you yeah. can think, yeah, you know, I think, I think I could put my own touch on that and, and really mm -hmm. make it something. Right. Don Ho did it. Gal he didn't do it that high. Galveston, oh Galveston. I still hear sea wind blowing. Blow he's, 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 Don Ho was like a, a real inebriated Dean Martin. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and a dear friend. But I just flat I just I I, I did it up tempo. She was 21 when I left Galveston in Galveston. Well, that's a good song. Oh, you I have great it. range. Oh, thank you. Quit smoking three years ago, March 15th. Yeah, the fire finally went out. <laughs> <laughs> but I did quit smoking, and it, it has made a great difference. But in, you really look terrific. Well, thank you. It's really amazing when you don't abuse yourself for 10 years, you know. <laughs> well, seven years alcohol and three years smoking. When you don't abuse yourself, I think your body can, uh, it's like I think the lungs have reju rejuvenate themselves if you kind of get out of pollution. Well, or it's med they, or medically, they say that's true. That, that, I've heard that. But, uh, no, but it, it really is. I'm, I'm definitely thankful to. But you're also candid enough to tell us in the book that you don't remember a whole lot from the 70s. Well, you do, but then you don't. In other words, when I, if I see, like, <laughs> clips from the 70s, I say, oh, yeah, see, when was that? I, you know, it, it, it all ran together. It really did. Like I said, my career had me. You point, you go do that. Uh, I broke down in the... Uh, I don't know when the date was. It was 1980, or maybe uh, real early 81. 
uh, and I went, I went in the hospitals in Nashville. I mean, I was literally gone, you know, come and get me, screaming for help. Uh, and they come and got me at the Opryland Hotel and put me in the hospital. Uh, and I was there. I could, they kept me sedated for about pro- three days, I guess. I think I was in there four days. And I remember visits from certain people, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But I really didn't want to get out and leave the hospital. I didn't have anything to go out of that hospital and go back to except the same thing I was doing that got me into the hospital in the first place. You've got to get, you know, like, you know, if don't go back to the mud hole, you know, go back to a clear pool. Uh, don't run with the same with the same people. Get away from it. That's why I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Thank God. September 18th of 1981. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. I got out of that where ever, everywhere you go, there's a cocktail party. And you'd go to, you'd go to parties at, in, certain, in this one area of the country where I lived at the time, and you could go to parties, and they would have cocaine out on the coffee table. They would have mirrors with lines on them, you know. Help yourself. Boy, we're going to have a good time tonight. And uh, that will kill you. What, what kept you from dying? God. I really, it's, it's like he picked me up and shook me off and said, I'm not through with you yet. Go back. <laughs> that's the only thing, Bill, that, that, I, that I can think that that's why I'm here today. Obviously, he wanted me to tell a story because somebody out there probably needs the same help that I, that I needed. And you say, right, I say, writing the book. I bared it all because there's somebody, if that helps one person, save one person from the hell and the torment that I feel that I went through, which now it doesn't bother me because I don't dwell on it. But yeah, I went through some, some times that uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want a dog to go through. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go through. Uh, it's amazing uh, the, the hold that drugs has on our lives. That's why they call them drugs. I, that's got to stand for something. I wonder what D R U G stands for. You know, there's got to. We'll make up something. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's almost a stereotype how country music tends to reflect the worst of times. You know, the the, yeah. the dog that left, the wife that left, the pickup oh, yeah. truck that broke down. Can yeah. you can you have a successful country career if your times are good? Oh, I, oh yeah, I think you can if you pick the good songs. You know, <laughs> it's like Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson writes about his life. You know, I, I told Alan, he was writing for me, he said, and he, he'd call me Mr. Campbell. I said, get off of that, Mr. Jackson, you know, you know. <laughs> I thought, I said, if we don't find you a deal soon, you're going to lose this song. And that was, here in the real world, it's not that easy at home. But I was, I'm glad I didn't do it, because it made a career for Alan Jackson. He's one of the nicest guys that I've ever met in showbiz. He's wonderful. I find that to be true generally of country music stars generally. The, oh, yeah. There's a, there's a nicer class of people. Yeah. I, I, I love the respect of uh, guys who tell me. Glenn, I didn't know if we were to tell you this or not, but, you know, I was sitting there when I was a kid, and I said, what do you mean when you was a kid? Yeah. <laughs> he said, and, uh, and like Steve Warner, he said he sat there, and he said, that's what made me want to play. In other words... The young musicians out there, I was kind of their hero. Vince Gill said the same thing. He said, boy, I would park myself uh, drummers uh, because they said, we finally got, but there's somebody on TV that's uh, singing and playing and got a TV show who's actually a musician. And I, 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 was, I was the only one before that, and I've been the only one since. That was, you know, 
from his peers recognized as a quote musician and a guitar player. What's and that's that's why the show was really a success. And it's it kind of started a trend. Like some of the kids now that watch that show, like Vince Gill, Steve Warner especially, and other guys that I've run into around the country, boy, they are great musicians. I mean, Vince Gill, boy, will just flat blow your face off. So will Steve Warner. They play guitar like just crazy. Do you have a favorite song? I mean, when 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 you look at Glenn Campbell's greatest hits, do you oh, have a favorite? Well, a bunch. You know, some of them pop out. I'd say ballad wise, uh, it'd be a toss up between Wichita Lineman and Phoenix. Uh, fast wise, it would be it would have to be. Well, you know, there's Galveston, but then there's Rhinestone Cowboy, and then there's Southern Nights, which is my favorite happy song of all time. It makes me happy. I'm real happy when I do Southern Nights. Do you know what I'm partial to? I'm partial to the dreams of the everyday housewife. That's good, isn't it? That really is good. I finally got a good one. Yeah, it took me four tries, but the Lord blessed me with a wife that don't cuss, drink, or smoke. A lot to be said for that. (laughs) Well, that's why I couldn't get out of the hog bin. That's why I went right back to the mud hole, because I didn't have anybody that with me that didn't do it. You know, I'm not saying I got drug into anything, and I'm not saying I'm innocent of it. But if that is going on in a circle of friends you hang with, get yourself another circle of friends, because there's really some nice people on this earth when you look around you. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Or- well, I think you pretty well covered it all, Bill. You're very much professional, and thanks did, for having me now on Now, did the we show. mention you have a new album coming out this summer? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. It's called The Boy and Me. I remember not too long ago Batting baseballs, boxing with my shadow Climbing trees, climbing walls Yearn to be six feet tall if I knew then what I know now, I would have been content to play And not to rush my hand to take the plow Oh Jesus, bring back the boy in me Put your hand on my heart terrific artist. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming today. My pleasure. Glenn Campbell was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2011. He died in 2017. He was 81. And you can find easy Amazon links to Glenn Campbell's book and his greatest hits at our website, heardeverything.com. Would you do me a favor? If you liked today's episode, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, now with spring here, a lot of us are turning our attention to the backyard garden. And who better to consult about such things than my 1991 interview with Martha Stewart? It's like cooking was 20 years ago, and we all had to have our cuisine art. We had to have our KitchenAids. We had to have all the fancy whisks and copper bowls. That's what gardening is becoming now. It's becoming kind of an art form. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. ¶¶